Welcome to the Natural Running Network. My name is Richard Diaz, and what I hope to do is introduce you to some amazing athletes and luminaries from the sports science community, and what has come to be expected, I'll provide some highly opinionated rants on all aspects of endurance sports and my current favorite, obstacle course racing. Now sit tight, grab a cup of coffee, and let's do this. All right, so we're going to have a really interesting conversation with a guy that's been all over social media, all over the internet, not because of his athletic accolades. And I'm going to preface this conversation by saying that this gentleman was brought to me by Hunter McIntyre. And whenever Hunter gets a hold of me and says, hey, dude, I got my friend I want to bring over. Is it okay? Is it cool? And then I got to like, okay, who's this guy, right? So I'm Googling the guy. And... Here I come to find that this guy is all over the internet because he's like the bachelor. He's like the bachelor in paradise. He's the bachelor bachelor. He's like the bachelor, right? And, uh, and I'm thinking, all right, here we go. You know, I'm not going to have any fun with this at all. I'm not going to enjoy it. I'm just going to have to bite my lip because Hunter brought the guy over. So in enters Kirk DeWint. Guy's fit. Nice guy. As much as I didn't want to like him, I ended up liking the guy. And lo and behold, I was thinking of somebody to bring on the show and and have a casual conversation with that I thought you might be entertained by. And I reached out to Kirk, and lo and behold, Kirk is here with me now. Kirk, say hello to all the girls that are wanting to hear from you on social media. Oh, please. Richard, I just (laughs) came to say hello to you. What are you talking about? I know. I miss you already. Yeah. We had an amazing workout. I mean, you got to know that that was probably something that stuck with you for a couple of days. It did. And, you know, the nice thing about that workout is I have a, you know, a personal training business and I ran a few of my uh, my students through it as well. And they uh, they hate you for it now, Richard. <laughs> well, you know, I got to tell you, you you just like you held your own all through that with uh, the sheriff. And uh, yeah. that's not easy to do. Yeah, it was uh, it was it was that was actually a very nice session we had. I was I was pleasantly surprised just with the the tidbits I took away from your recommendations, and then that was a solid hustle. I uh, I left feeling like I got out of our time together exactly what I wanted to. So uh, and I felt that one for a few days. Thanks for asking. Yeah, yeah. Well, like I said, you you held your own through all of that, and uh, I think what I'm going to do is I have some snippets of that workout. I'm going to probably associate the video with this audio so people that go to the uh, the website they, if they choose to they could see what we're talking about but uh, I, before we get on to talking about OCR and your athletic career and things like this I would like to kind of put to bed this whole thing just for my edification this bachelor thing how in the hell did you get involved in that and how is it treating you now I guess is a better better way yeah, to right. <laughs> Well, I get made fun of uh, by people like you, so obviously it's going well. Um, no, I, uh, you know, I was actually this is back in 2010, so we're talking a while ago, um, and I I don't really watch much TV. In fact, I'll go weeks without turning my TV on, um, and that's the truth. And so uh, I was actually nominated by a friend of mine and his wife to go on the show way back in the day. So I uh, didn't watch The Bachelor or anything like that. I knew of it because you can't really get away from it. But 
um, I got a call and they asked if I wanted to uh, potentially uh, apply. And I was single at the time and uh, went through the runaround and somehow they actually picked me. So I, I actually didn't know what I was getting into fully and I still don't watch the show um, or keep up with it. But uh, I'll tell you what, it was a wild ride. I can tell you that to take a, I was just a normal kid from sort of small town Wisconsin thrown into the mix. Um, and it was very eye opening. I have a lot more experiences under my belt today than I think I would have if I had not done the show. So I have a few regrets with it. So did they fly you out to the West Coast and keep you down here for a while while they shot the episodes? Yeah, for for the Bachelorette, um, I, you know, I was one of the 25, you know, sort of idiots going for one girl. Um, and we had, we traveled all over the world. The further you made it in the show, uh, the more places you traveled. So we started in L.A., we went to New York, then we went to Iceland, uh, Turkey, Portugal. I ended up bringing her home to meet my family in Green Bay, Wisconsin, uh, where then I got dumped towards the end. A sad, sad day. <laughs> okay. Did you know? Did you know that you were going to get dumped before you got dumped? You know what's funny is no. I was like, oh, this girl. I was like, this is it. I was like, this is going to happen. The date went well. I thought it was. You know, I thought I would go on. Uh, to be honest, to the sort of next round, so to speak. But I guess that's how everybody feels before they get the rug pulled out from under them. But I'll tell you what. When I look back on it, it was it was significantly more the experience. Like not the girl. She's great and all. Um, but it was, it was kind of like, you know, you hang out with the guys all day, every day, and you rarely see the girls. So you make more friends out of the thing than anything. And so that was kind of the cool part about it for me. So the, uh, you had alluded to the fact that you were single then. Are you married now? Uh, no, I'm not. Ah. No, I'm not. Okay. Just wait for the next TV show to come around and set me up. <laughs> right, sure. So, uh, okay. 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 So, all right. So just for, you know, I'm having fun with this now. When uh, when you go on to the show and you're doing this stuff with these girls and whatever, I mean, was it legit? It's like you, if you uh, it, do you like if they you propose, you're going to get married. I mean, is that real or what? I mean, all that's real. Yeah. But, you know, uh, when I took the, the, the first girl I, I kind of tried to date on TV, her name was Allie Fedotowski. Um, and the, I brought her home to meet my family and it was my third real date with her. Um so the process is so sped up. Like we didn't even know each other, you know, and even at the end, if there is a proposal, um, the people, it's more like a leap of faith. Like you really don't know who you're dating until you go home into normal routine in life. And so a few relationships have worked out, but for the most part, they are, they, they go up in flames. We'll just say. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. I would just yeah. think the nature of the thing would be kind of, uh, self-defeating, right? Just, you know, it's like uh, you're, you're there for pomp and glory and, and I don't know, I'm just. Well, I'll tell you, you're, you know, you're liquored up most of the time. You're on vacation in fantasy land, taking horse and carriage rides to top of castles, being serenaded by private violinists. I think it's kind of hard not to have all the feels of when you're in those situations. And then, uh, so it speeds things up. We'll just say that. All right. That's yeah. enough of that. So let's talk about your athletic career. Now, you've been smitten by the OCR bug, and yeah. I, know, I know you've been racing, and you're doing pretty well. You uh, you you won Chicago last year, and, I did. Uh, and uh, you've fared pretty well so far. And from what I understand, the conversation we had is that uh, you're, you've run a 408 mile. Is that correct? Uh, well, 1,500 was my event, but about 408, 409 equivalent, yeah. Right. So yeah. you were an All-American and uh, your, your, your specialty was 1,500, but you also ran cross-country, right? Yep, that's correct. Yep. Yeah. 
Wow. And so when did you start getting into OCR? It's like a couple years ago. Is that what's up? Uh, yeah, well, I, I really did a couple races back in 2016. Um, I, uh, there's a battle frog. It was like one of the last battle frog races, uh, that I think ever happened. It was local. And, uh, so I hopped in that and I did okay. I took third behind now. I know some decent athletes and, and then I, I was kind of hooked. It was, you know, in college, I was a quintessential runner. I was 30 pounds lighter than I am today. And, and I didn't feel like I had, you know, well-rounded fitness. And, and I found out about this OCR stuff and thought, hey, that might be a good fit now that I, I'm balanced. I'm more of an athlete. And so that was the appeal initially. Okay. Um, yep. And um, are you going to be racing in, what is it, uh, San Jose is coming up, right? Is that you? Yep. Yep. That's uh, March. Yeah. I'm planning on being in San Jose. So I'll plan on doing the U.S. Championship Series this year. Uh, last year, I kind of went in with no expectations and just wanted to get a feel for it. Uh, this year, I'll have a little a little more weight on my own shoulders, so to speak. But I'll be doing the series. Yep. All right. So Hunter and I were working out yesterday and um, we were having conversations about that particular race, the San Jose event. And I also coach VJ Jones, who is a young upstart, and he's been doing pretty well. Just he won his last race, and he's, yeah. when I say young upstart, he's like the youngest kid on the Spartan Pro team. But um, you know, we were talking about who the competition is in San Jose, and Hunter was quick to to bring your name up. He said that well, Kirk's going to be there, and Kirk's going to be a threat, and so on and so forth. And and uh, I just wasn't used to hearing your name in the fray. And obviously enough, because you hadn't been racing that much. What What are your thoughts on this race coming up? Yeah, um, well, I don't know. I don't know really what the course brings. Um, and as we speak, I think today the date is what? It's like February 7th as we're speaking. Um, I'm just starting my fourth week back to running. So, so you know, I'm, I'm a little behind the game here. I have some plantar fasciitis going on, but I stayed fit with cross training. So um, I'm just working on getting my running economy and maybe some climbing legs back. And so... Um, you know, I, I was surprised with where I did some interval work yesterday out in the cold here. It was four degrees in Minnesota and, and snowy out. And I was I was pleased with where my fitness was at based on my training lately. So um, I think San Jose is a race where I'm actually going to go and get after it. I think I'm going to be more aggressive than I typically was last year and uh, stick my nose in there early. That's the tentative plan right now. And we'll see if, if my fitness will hold me there. there that's, that's the plan. Yep. But not Vegas, right? Um, you know, I have Vegas or Greek peak on my radar. I'd like to get my racing legs under me. So I I'm, I'm registered for both and I'll probably show up at one of them. I just haven't decided which one yet. Okay. Well, Greek peak is uh, kind of in your neck of the woods, right? Well, it's still like a two and a half hour flight East, but it's closer for me. Yeah. And I've been trudging through the snow here, uh, in Minnesota. So I figure, you know, that might give me a little bit of an advantage over there. I have clients on the East Coast that I work with. Matter of fact, just before this conversation, I was talking to one of my guys that's got a marathon in the Azores coming up. Yeah. And uh, we're planning to do a 20-mile time trial this Saturday. And the weather in New York is just horrendous right now. How bad? Oh, it's bad enough. I mean, it's 75 degrees here. Anything beyond uh, 55 degrees and I'm not going out of the house. It's just like oh, your posh life over there on the west coast. I I have I looked at my forecast here. Every single day it gets below zero for the ten day forecast that I have. Um, yesterday it was four degrees when I did intervals outside. It was negative nine with the wind chill. That's what I dealt with. I don't know how you guys so, do it. I swear to God, I don't. 
Hey, I'll have you out anytime, Richard. Uh, yeah, forget it. <laughs> if we're going to meet, buddy, it's going to be here. It's not going to be. Yeah, like I this. suppose the secret lab. I, I can, I can concur. Yeah. Yeah. So speaking of that plantar fasciitis, after I got to work on it a little bit, did you get any relief? Um, you know what? Actually, that was the most volume. That was my second week back running, uh, and my my heel had felt better than it had in probably a month and a half after that week, and. So there was some merit to, I think, what you did there. Um, and I've kind of been taking, implementing what you, you know, those practices on my own. And I'm giving it a lot of TLC right now. I'll tell you what, it's getting way more of my attention than it should, but it's keeping me running. So um, that's what's important. So you've been using the rock floss on your, on your foot? <clears throat> yep. Yep. Yes, I have. You know, I'll tell you what, I've had a guy come up to me recently and came from the East Coast as well, flew, flew out to see me and He's, yeah, you know, I heard you talking about this. He goes, what's the deal? Is that like a lot of voodoo, hocus pocus or whatever? And I said, no, man, it's legit. I wouldn't be talking about it if I didn't really believe in it. And so I treated him. And this guy had been going through injections and all kinds of stuff on his, both of his Achilles. Oh, geez. And uh, I did pretty much the same thing to him as I was doing for you. And the guy was blown away. He said, I have not been able to run at all. And all of a sudden... I'm able to do this without any pain. And even after the, the session that we had, he was kind of walking around and kind of bouncing around. You know, had this little swagger in his step. And he's like, God, I don't understand this, man. He goes, how come it feels some... And he uh, summarily went out and ordered some rock floss and some rock tape and been following my advice. And uh, he was he was pleased. So, yeah, wow. it's pretty wild. It it, uh, it seems kind of voodoo-ish, but... Honestly, if you understood the mechanics behind what's going on, it really does make sense and it really does work well. Yeah, yeah. Luckily, I already had some laying around the house, so that was a yeah. that was a easy fix for me over on my, my end. Yeah, and that's such a nasty disorder, you know. Plantar fasciitis just does not seem to want to go away. Yeah, what's up with that? Why is this thing such a pain in the in the butt? It's a blood supply issue, right? You know? Yeah, it's just not getting enough to heal, I suppose. Yeah, it just takes longer, and that's the advantage of the I think the floss is that. You're flushing a lot of that blood flow out of that region, and then it rushes back in once you remove the, the floss, and you get that rush of nutrient and fresh blood into the area. It's, it's kind of like somebody suggested that they can do ultrasound. Say, mm -hmm. yeah, I got a friend has got ultrasound. I said, well, yeah, okay, but that's going to feel a little bit better when you do it. But if you do this a couple, three times a day, it's going to have a lot more yardage, and sure enough. Yeah, I do have a home ultrasound machine, which has been uh... – saving me a little bit too. So I am combining all efforts. So talk to me about your personal training business. Is I saw yep. in a video that was, uh, is it your own place now or what's going on? Yeah, I partner with a wellness clinic. So uh, we run chiropractors, massage therapists, acupuncturists, uh, and then trainers. So I rent the space. I just run one employee. Um, and we, so we work cohesively with them, which is a nice setup um, in a suburb here in Minneapolis. And then I also I have an online training business, which is nice because I can reach a lot more people. So I do a bit now of, um, you know, run coaching, OCR coaching, and then um, and then general fitness stuff too. So uh, it keeps me busy, that's for sure. But, um, you know, where there's a will, there's a way. So I'm finding time to, to sneak in my own workouts in the middle of the day and all that. Uh, but it's been good. I've been, uh, I've been going eight years strong now with the business on my own. So I uh, just hit that milestone recently. Wow, that's a long time. That's a long yeah. time. yeah. Yeah, it's been good. So you're coming out to the West Coast. You're yep. Gonna, you're going to do San Jose. Who's on your radar? You got that little magnet that you hold the picture of the dude that you're competing against <laughs> on, on your refrigerator? Yeah. 
So who are you looking at? Who do you think you need to be concerned about? Well, you know, the interesting thing is, is I think a lot of the guys are doing Tough Mudder X in Sacramento. It's like the day before or after. So I think there's going to be a number of people that are taking that route. Um, and, and last year I felt like, you know, I was always kind of felt like I was on the outside looking in, do you know what I mean? Like I know my potential and I know I can compete for podiums in these championship races, but I was still just a step behind the game. So, so I kind of got this group of guys, you know, the consistent top five finishers from last year, uh, that are on my radar. Do you know what I'm saying? Like yeah, I don't yeah. have one because I don't. I, I haven't quite had the rivalries built yet. I've just been behind it. And and the one time I, I you know, at the U.S. OCR Champs down in Texas, it was the first time in my life I had run in front of Robert Killian or Ryan Woods. I, in fact, I was able to run in front of them until a mile left in the 15k, where uh, my legs kind of took a shit on me, so to speak. So. Um, I know my potential. I know it's there and it's just kind of putting it together. So ideally I will be running with them instead of behind them, you know, the first half of the race and then, and then let's let fitness and grit kind of dictate what happens from there. So are you kind of a, a lead kind of guy or a come from behind kind of guy? How do you, how do you like to play it? Uh, I w I'm embarrassed to tell you this, Rich. I really am, but I've always been a come from behind guy. And, you know, as a kid, I was always growing up watching, you know, Steve Prefontaine and all the movies, and he was this front runner that was super commendable. Well, I've always done the opposite of that. And the issue, and that's kind of cowardly in my eyes, and just because I feel like sometimes maybe I haven't quite reached my potential in a race because I'm a little conservative early. Um, and, you know, I'm 34, about to be 35. It's my third year in the OCR game, and it's about time to stop maybe being so conservative and throw some cojones on the table. You know what I'm saying? Well, I think it's important that you do it at least a few times to figure out whether it's a good idea. And I yeah. don't I don't think you can do it in training. I think you need to do it in a race. And and I can tell you that a year before last, when Hunter went to Asheville, I remember the conversation distinctly. He called me up day before the race. He goes, okay, coach, so what am I going to do? I said, I want you to go out as hard as you can. I want you to go out so hard that you want to throw up. And, and, I, and I want you to make the guys that are in the hunt freak out and wonder what the hell you're doing and have them try to chase you and then let them make mistakes. And when they make mistakes, I want you to back off a little bit, gather yourself and then try to try to finish it. And sure, sure. enough, he did that. He so he, his comment to me was, so what you're saying is first or 20th. <laughs> right, right. I said, yeah. Well, if you if you come in twentieth, you blame me. You come in first, you're buying me a bottle of scotch. Right, right. Well, he bought you a bottle of scotch, which is a fine collection, by the way. You home. know that that sucker never comes clean with the bottle of scotch. It's like, <laughs> oh, you know. listen, listen. You give me advice like that, I take home a W. You know my love for scotch. Yeah, well, yeah. Uh, I'll fly one out and hand it to you. How's that? <laughs> yeah. How's that sound? That's fair enough. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. I think I think for me this year, you know, it's the one thing I'm realizing, which I was over my head last year is, and I think other people can relate to this is, you know, in Minnesota, uh, I go for a 10 mile run from my house and I gain a hundred feet of elevation and that's not a joke and that's it. And so, you know, I was going into a lot of races last year and other people probably too, where like, I'm, I only had a basic treadmill that went up to 15% and you can only do so much on that. And and no real mountains. And so this year I've been focusing a lot more on the climbing and it's amazing how much that can relate to OCR with just the, 
the strength and leg burn that causes and, and, and relating to races. Cause obviously we do a lot of climbing. So it'll just be interesting to see how that pans out this next year. Um, cause it's my first real season with any sort of base work where I was actually going vertical. So, uh, we're going to, I guess we'll, we'll find out. So to say there's certainly not much in the sport that is flat. Is there? I've realized this. Why didn't anybody tell me this? Yeah. I mean, so, you know, the first mountain I ever climbed was Lake Tahoe at the World Championships in 2016. And I was about 10 minutes into that race. And I was like, I was already smoked. And I was I was very caught off guard. So I, I learned a hard lesson that day. Yeah, the, uh, the consensus is that, you know, you win on the downhill. And then there's another camp that we'll talk about, the climbing. And then there's the other camp that talks about when you get to the flat. But at the end of the day, if you can't climb and you can't descend and you can't run on the flat, you're just not going to win. <laughs> well, yeah. you got to I mean, be able to do it all. You're so stoked from climbing that you're worthless on the flats and the descent regardless. So just acclimating to that has been yeah. kind of my biggest focus. Do, um, do you do any uh, specific downhill training? Uh, I wish I did. In the winter, all the ski hills here are closed because, well, people are skiing on them. Um so I don't get any of that until that clears up. And I'm, I've tried to sneak out there. I've got kicked off of many a mountains already. So uh, so now it's kind of wait till the weather warms up and the snow melts. You know, um, my treadmill, as you probably figured out, it goes in both directions. Yeah. And But it you can do a 28% grade descent on my treadmill. Oh. And you could take it up to 28 miles an hour doing it. <laughs> and you better be strapped into that thing well i do what i do is i'll stick these guys in the uh with uh, hunter calls it the baby bouncer and then i'll start exposing them to high rates of speed to just kind of see if they can kind of get their legs beneath them and keep up with the cadence that's required to get that downhill but the cool thing about it is you can't fall and so your central nervous system goes to work to try to figure out how to adapt to the downward speed sure it's really a pretty cool trick and I've done it a few times. I had uh, Chris Mendoza was over one one day. We did it with him and, and Hunter. And we did it weighted, too. So we were carrying rec bags going downhill on a treadmill, which it doesn't happen very often. Yeah, your treadmill is one of a kind. I'll tell you what. It's I've never wild. seen something so fancy. <laughs> it's pretty wild. It's fancy. You know, and I, I tell you what, I, I bite my finger every time I turn it on and turn it off to make sure it's still working because uh, fixing that thing, I don't even want to know what it's going to cost. Well, you know, what's interesting about that is, uh, well, I could have been one to break it because when we were doing, I don't know if this sticks out to you, but Hunter and I were doing the warm up run and you were biking along with us bullshitting, you know, and, yeah. and my feet were tromping along like I was a rhinoceros and, and Hunter's 30 pounds heavier than me running next to me and you can't even hear his feet hitting the ground based on just, you know, you were working with my stride and cadence and straightening that up. But when I hopped on that treadmill, there was no denying that I was still tromping around on it. I was afraid I was going to break it on you. Yeah, but you were a quick study. I mean, yeah. the the clear thing about it was that you were paying attention and, and you came around pretty quickly because you were running like a rhinoceros in the beginning. And <laughs> I don't know how the hell you ran so fast like that. <laughs> well, give me a break. It was my second week back. So maybe maybe we're uh, maybe running. Maybe forgot it. how. <laughs> yeah, maybe. You know, I spent too much time on that rower. That's the problem. Yeah, well. Yeah, uh, yeah, but that was a pretty cool workout. I I, uh, I kind of like the the rower. I've been spending a lot of time on it lately, and I, I haven't done that in years. But uh, a lot of guys out there that are recovering from an injury and they want to keep their cardio up, I think that that's the ticket, right? 
Oh, I'll tell you, because I took four weeks off just before I saw you. I didn't do a step of running. Um, and I'm learning this cross-training game, unfortunately, just because I tend to be injury-prone. And I think my fitness, I was doing some really high-end stuff on the rower. But not only that, but then hopping off and on going into strength moves like thrusters or burpees or wall balls and keeping that heart rate jacked and letting my legs and lungs fill up. And it's amazing. After a few runs and I kind of got my running economy back, my fitness kind of has, has it's come back way faster than it normally would. And I think it has to have to do with the fact that I was pushing so hard on that thing. And, and so I think I, from my experience, I think the rower is the number one cross training tool. If you're out sidelined, I think absolutely. And you can take any typical run workout that you would do and kind of translate it to the rower. And that's what I was doing and it seemed to work. So, um, I don't know. It's a torture device, but it's helpful. Yeah, it really is. All right. So you're going to be out here at San Jose. I'm thinking about coming out. I'm really thinking about coming out for San Jose. You're not doing any Tough Mudder, are you? I'm still waffling over that one. I don't know yet. Potentially, but it's not. I don't have any in the books yet, but um, that could change. Yeah. Well, I think that 10-mile format's probably going to be really entertaining this year. Um, yeah. I, I just don't know. I, I, I just think that there's going to be some people that are going to start flirting with the, the Tough Mudder format, given that they've been changing their ways and, and trying to be more competitive. And, yep. and I think that's filling in a lot of, a lot of holes in the absence of some of the other camps. You know, when we lost uh, Battle Frog and you yep. know, just getting back down to like some, uh, essentially two camps, that's too few. You need, need more variety. So I, I like that they're kind of opening up and they're being competitive and they're paying out pretty good prize money. So yeah, I think it's a great move. And it sounds like from chatting with, you know, with other guys, it's going to bring a lot of a lot of them in. And a lot of people are going to be choosing, you know, the Tough Mudder circuit uh, over Spartan races when they, you know, start to conflict with schedules. So I think it's going to be interesting. I, I'm curious how much it'll dilute some of the Spartan field, like the big races. I don't think it will much, but I think in, in a few instances, it'll a few of the top guys will probably choose Tough Mudder. So I think, you know, they're doing their job there for sure. Well, the TMX series all by itself is going to drain some of the, the uh, competitors from some of the other sports simply because the yep. payout's so good, right? I'll tell you what, I did TMX last year here in Minnesota. I had a staph infection at the time, uh, so it did not go well for me. I was kind of a hurting unit but wanted to do it just to experience it. And that race is like something I had never experienced before. It is, it is definitely the most I've ever hurt in my entire life. And, you know, I wasn't the guy winning. I was back, you know, mid-pack, so – that race is something, if you want to go and feel what it's like for your body to explode from the inside uh, out, that's exactly how I would describe TMX. And it's, uh, I, I think it's going to draw a lot of people. Well, I, I think there's a lot of guys out there that uh, I work with, as a matter of fact, that keep spouting off about how they want to get into TMX. They think, oh, yeah, I want to do that. I want to do that. And yeah. I'm, look, I'm looking at them and saying, no, man, <laughs> you're not that guy. Uh, it, it, I think a lot of us that first, you know, because we did the inaugural event, there were like 32 of us, I think, guys. And everybody kind of walked in with their chest puffed out and like, oh, I've been training and I'm ready for this. And you're doing CrossFit or you're doing volume for OCR. And I'll tell you what, almost every single one of us got finished with that and looked at each other and be like, what was that that I just went through? We were all humble. It was bad. So I tell if anybody's thinking of doing it, you better, whatever you do, get your heart rate to about 200 beats a minute and then start doing your strength moves because yeah. that's what it feels like the whole time. Well, and I, I have to tell you, and, and obviously enough, I'm biased, but I mean, facts are facts. I don't think there's a man on the planet that's going to beat Hunter in that event right now. 
I don't know, man. I, yeah, I spent a few days just training with him, and the, the, just to be able to sustain the amount of workload he can do with with throwing the amount of weight around simultaneously is that's hard to compete with. Yeah. Maybe, maybe, but like hands down, he was he was the cream of the crop last year. There wasn't nobody that could touch him. So. We'll see, though. Hopefully somebody comes out and does, gives him a run for his money. Well, there's guys, I think, that are stronger. I know that there's guys that are faster. But there's not anybody that I'm aware of that are as strong and fast at the same time. Yep. He's got that package that's just really, really difficult to contend with. And uh, I think last year was kind of a coming out party, so to speak. People uh, really didn't know what to expect. And uh, now that I think... It's been out and people messed with it. They're training for it specifically. So the competition's going to be tighter, but it's, yep. it's not like he's been sitting on his laurels because, I mean, we had a heinous workout yesterday. It was all running and uh, we were doing intervals at uh, 14 plus miles per hour, 30 seconds at a time with 30 seconds recovery and just just, uh, just crazy fast running. Awesome. And he was pulling it off. So, Well, you know, you got to think for TMX, it's, you know, winning time, I think Hunter was like, I don't know, between 12 and 14 minutes. Like, you're talking like an elite pro-level 5K effort worth of duration. So this is still like an endurance event with like that explosive strength component. And I think either the CrossFitters are going to have to work on just a titch more run and, and sustainable endurance or the OCR guys are going to have to put on just a little more raw power if anybody's going to keep up with them. Well, and I think also that if you're going you're gonna to compete at that short distance with that high intensity – you need to back off a lot of this other stuff. I mean, you're not going to be uh, all powerful and then also all sustaining where you can go out and do like a super or a beast distance event effectively when you've been preparing for that high intensity, short duration race. I just don't think you could be both. No, not, not at that level. And, and, you know, I went from like super beast training and just threw TMX on a whim. And I'll tell you what, my body was not used to redlining that quick and that intensely and that often and I wasn't able to come out of that because I hadn't trained that energy system. And so that's, I, I agree. I don't think you can do both effectively. You got to pick one or the other. Yep. Yeah. I, I agree. Well, Kirk, I'm looking forward to seeing how you do in San Jose. I am going to try to get up there. And if I do, I will seek you out. We will buddy up on a bottle of decent scotch. That sounds great. You know what I'm saying? We're going to have oh, a, little, yeah. a little bit of scotch behind that race and while you're hanging on to the pewter you got from the podium. Hey, that sounds wonderful. All right, brother. Enjoy the rest of your day. Thanks so much for coming on. Yeah, thanks. Thanks, Richard. Take care, bud. Well, friends, it's time to bring another show to a close. Be sure and tune in to us next week. We've got a lot of great content in store for you. I want you to tell your friends to check us out. You can always find us on Facebook. Simply go search the Natural Running Network. Drop us a message. I'd love to learn more about you and the things you do. And until then, you have an amazing day.